Howdy, everybody. It's me again. Another episode of the Capo Podcast. This week, I think I left off last week saying it was going to be a surprise this week. And so what I'm going to do for this week's episode, um, I've been asked this week to present the the message at the church because we don't have a pastor this week. And we've been without a full-time pastor for a long time. Um, so this isn't the first time that I've kind of given the sermon, um, but it's only the second time. And so I'm never sure how to approach it, to be honest. I, I don't really... I thought about the ministry when I was younger and never really felt the calling to become a pastor, to become ordained. I never really felt uh, worthy of that um, and just never really felt any sort of calling toward that. So that just that wasn't the path that I decided to walk down. But um, I am the vice president of my very, very small family church here in Beaver, and uh, when we have kind of a vacancy of a pastor people kind of know that I like to talk and I'm not uh, not ashamed to talk in front of people. So I'm asked to, I don't, I don't like to call it preaching, I'm asked to speak. Um, so that's what I'm doing this week. And because I kind of want to see how long my my speaking part's going to be, because I, I don't want to put people to sleep in the back of the church. I don't want to go on and on and on. Uh, I thought I would just put it on the podcast so I could put it out there on the airways and all of you could listen to it. And uh, that way you don't even have to come to church. You can stay on your couch in the comfort of your home like little heathens and not go even... You don't even have to come to church. You can come right here and listen to the sermon. Uh, spoiler alert, though, the sermon is is going to be kind of chiding you for not not being a good Christian, because the topic of the week, when I got to reading through the material, was all about protecting the faith. Um, the reading has to do with Timothy, and uh, when Timothy is reading his letter from Paul, who is in prison in Rome and set to be killed. And in the Bible, when when Paul is writing to Timothy, um, as he sits in prison awaiting his death, uh, he has some things to say, as you can imagine. And I always find it interesting that Timothy and, and Paul and Silas and Luke, they are the first Christians who, who set foot onto European soil. And they do this right around 50 A.D., which is about a hundred years after the Battle of Philippi, which is this this massive event in Roman history where the Roman Republic dies after the assassination of Caesar, when Octavius and Mark Antony defeat the last Romans who truly believe in the ideal of the Roman Republic. And we kind of talked about this in an earlier episode, the Julius Caesar one, when we talked about Shakespeare's play. But uh, I think it's interesting because Greece is kind of primed for Christianity, I think. The, the root of all Western civilization kind of started in Greece, and 
it's only natural that the root of Western Christianity would also kind of come from there. Anyway, kind of poetic, I think. But they they walk deep into this hostile land, which is the most powerful tyrannical empire on the face of the earth at the time, the same tyranny that had crucified Christ, and they immediately start making trouble. And Christians made trouble in Rome because they said things and they believed things that most people didn't want to hear, just like Christ does. Uh, the Second Timothy is best to just be read in one sitting. You you have to picture Timothy, and he gets this letter from Paul, who's in who's in prison in Rome, and Paul tells him that uh, he is ready to die. He's going to be martyred for the faith, and he has obviously some things to say about this. What does he tell Timothy? He tells him to guard the deposit of the faith. He doesn't lament his predicament. He doesn't tell Timothy, hey, you need to get out of here because they're going to kill you. Um, what he does say, though, he says, guard the deposit, guard the faith. Do your duty as a Christian, even if it costs you your life. He tells him not only to keep the faith, he actually tells him, like, fan the flames, stir up the coals, keep talking and don't shut up. He tells him to keep a wise head in the face of persecution and show no fear or cowardice against those who stand against him. He says, curb those who would by deceit or sword wrest the kingdom and bring to naught all he has done. Stand against those that would slander or lie or use violence against the kingdom of Christ. Do it boldly, do it bravely, and be willing to die a violent death for it. Man, when I read the message for the week, I had a lot of thoughts, and a lot of them were kind of bitter thoughts about modern Christianity in the year 2022. And at this point, I kind of knew that, like, I didn't want to just read the sermon word for word that is printed out. First off, when you do that, you always sound like a robot. And this is something people run into in public speaking. If you're just reading word for word off of, like, a script, it's never going to sound organic or well done. It's always going to sound robotic and boring. So I knew right off I was going to have to put this in my own words, and when I read what the topic was, I already knew that my own words were going to be, uh, shall we say, a little bit of fire and brimstone. Because I think about Paul in prison under the emperor Nero of Rome. Nero, a man who had a young boy castrated to make him womanish, and then married him in a traditional ceremony. And there's something to think on, by the way. You might think that all of this modern gender confusion is new. It's not. Uh, it often accompanies cultures that are on the road to hell throughout history. But you have Emperor Nero. He fiddled on the roof as Rome burned. He is famous for drinking and partying while all of his, all of his people suffered. Um, he was a disciple of Satan, if there ever was one. This is the man who ordered hundreds of Christians, including Paul, to be beheaded in front of a Roman mob that was wailing for their blood. And in the face of that, Paul tells Timothy, guard the deposit, guard the faith, fan the flames, make trouble, fear not, stand up to the tyranny of this satanic empire and spread the message of Christ. 
And Timothy did, until the day that he too died for the faith. He's dragged into the streets by a mob of peasants, and he's stoned to death. Timothy refused to keep quiet. He refused to hide his faith away. He refused to give in to the evil of the world, and he died for it. And this concept, I think, is so alien to us in America in 2022 that we can't even fathom it. We can't begin to touch what it even means. Because, I mean, there are many Christians who would claim that they would do the same, but how can we even claim that? Um, How can we even begin to comprehend that depth of faith and dedication and bravery? Uh, Sadly, I don't think the majority of Christians would be even capable of guarding the faith if they were called to do it under any sort of duress. And, I don't know, do you? Is it something? It's something that you should meditate on. It's something that you should ask yourself, would I do that? And then once you realize that the answer is no, you should you should start to figure out how you can change that. Um, and I'm guilty of this too. But I think most, if not all, modern Christians are shamefully, terribly cowardly when measured up to the early church fathers. And again, people say they're willing to fight or die for their faith. They say it, but they, they don't really mean it. Um, and they, they prove, we prove that we don't by our silence and our actions in kind of modern times in America in 2022. I mean, the government tells you to shut down the church over COVID. Sure thing. Uh, of course we will. After all, everyone else is doing it. Why shouldn't we? It seems like the smart thing to do. Sure, shut down the church. Uh, The government tells you, sorry, you can't be with your family member while they die. Uh, We, we, sorry, you can't have a funeral with more than 20 people. Uh, Sorry, you can't gather in the church. We can't, we can't risk that. That's too big of a risk. Uh, What we can risk, though, uh, we can risk you know, any celebration of amorality and and godlessness, we can celebrate that. We can risk that. Uh, We can risk riots in the street and theft and violence the summer of love. We can risk hundreds of people attending a funeral for George Floyd, who was a violent degenerate. Uh, And we'll raise him to the level of sainthood while we tear down all the Christian saints. Uh, We can risk gay orgies and pride parades celebrating vanity, pride, degeneracy, you know, just all the blackest evil you can imagine. We can risk that, Uh, but we can't risk you guys going to church. That would just be too much. Uh, How many times have you been at, you know, a family function or a dinner or with your friends at a party and someone is said something or saying something, doing something that goes completely against your professed Christian morality. Somebody's going on and on about how great abortion is, how it's a right, how it's vital for society, how, you know, really abortion is a, is a moral good for society. Um, 
or how we have to be inclusive of transgender rights, how important it is to generally mutilate little boys and little girls, uh, how it's just unthinkable that anybody would say anything against genital mutilation for minors because only dirty old Republicans would say anything against that. And what do we do? Well, we hold our tongues because we wouldn't want to cause a scene. After all, if we make people mad or we make a situation uncomfortable, that just wouldn't be proper. That wouldn't be Christian, right? Um, That would be political because abortion is a political thing and trans rights, that's a political thing. And gay pride is is it's political and and Christians aren't supposed to talk about politics, you know. That's not proper. That's that's not nice. In fact, if you do it, well then you're using your religion for political purposes and that's not good. That you don't want to do that, do you? I mean, that's what you're told. They say, "Well, don't you know?" They say, "Don't don't you know that Jesus said you should render unto Caesar?" You can't say anything. Keep your mouth shut, Christian. They they don't give you the context of that story, by the way, where Jesus is humiliating a lawyer who's trying to trap him into saying something against Rome. No, they just say, uh, shut up and fund my degenerate tyranny with your taxes. Jesus said so. Uh, you're going to start noticing if you pay attention that the devil's arguments are always a twisting of scripture. And you need to start looking for it if you're not already. And that's one of them. Render unto Caesar is always twisted. Um, We've gotten to a point where most people have decided that all Christianity is about is smiling and being nice. Don't rock the boat. Don't cause a scene. Don't fight about it. American Christianity is skinny jeans and bleached white teeth smiles playing an acoustic guitar, and singing a praise song full of terrible theology. It isn't Paul sitting in a Roman dungeon wondering if he's going to be crucified, beheaded, or fed to lions in the Colosseum. People like that, us, modern Christians, we have the audacity to claim that we would fight or die for our faith. Really, you would. You're willing to suffer, to die for the faith, but you aren't willing to say anything that might be considered, you know, politically incorrect by modern standards, or, man, that might be a little extremist to say that. That might make people, you know, they might think I'm being political or extremist. This is going to make people uncomfortable. Many people who claim Christianity aren't willing to choose the church over watching a football game on Sunday for crying out loud, let alone make somebody uncomfortable. And this isn't just harmful to Christians that are already in the church. There are others outside the church that can kind of like are possible converts that can kind of see the partial truth of human nature and the world. And they're looking for that. They're looking for the answers and they're watching modern Christianity. Those people are watching modern Christianity. What do you think they see? Do you think they want to be a part of it? When when it's too afraid to stand up to all the 
degeneracy and decay of the of culture and society? Of course they don't. Um, and our inaction and silence is driving away those people who may have otherwise come to the faith. And we're doing it in the name of not offending people who are very unlikely to come to the faith at all, sadly, in an effort to not offend a sniveling mob of Satanists, we're driving away potential true lifelong converts in droves who see our emasculated weakness and are sickened by it. That's what's happening right now in, in the modern church. And we need to wake up. We need to listen to Paul and Timothy. We need to look a, you need to look around yourself and realize where we are. See where we stand. You need to understand that many people who are claiming brotherhood in the faith with you are frauds. And they're, they're not just frauds. They're worse than frauds. They are evil. They have taken your religion. They've hollowed it out. And they are wearing its skin and taunting you about it. And if you notice, they tell you to shut up. They tell you, well, you're not being very Christian if you don't support all this decadence and degeneracy that we're openly celebrating and promoting. You're not being Christian if you don't get, go along with us. For crying out loud, people, there are churches in your country that are proudly flying a blatantly sinful flag and proclaiming that it's the Christian thing to do. There are churches hosting drag shows in the church in this country that claim the Lutheran banner. Now, the church fathers who were willing to fight and die for the faith, why were they killed? Was it because they were always smiling and nice and never said anything that people didn't want to hear and they just went along with the crowd and whatever was popular and didn't rock the boat? Is that why they were killed? Uh, is that the message of Christ? Is that why Christ was killed? Because the mean old Pharisees were jealous of his skinny jeans and his bleached teeth? No. Christ was killed because he spoke moral truths to people who didn't want to hear it. His disciples were killed because they said things that the ruling class would rather they not say. And when we, when we say we're willing to fight and die for the faith, we are saying that we are willing to fight and die for the truth. Because Christ said that he was the way, the truth, and the light, and he meant it. And the early Christians believed that truth so deeply that they were willing to fight and die over it. They were willing to be hacked to death with swords, to be fed to beasts in the Colosseum, to be crucified, beheaded, stoned, exiled, all because they refused to sit down and shut up and adopt the wickedness of the world. And look at us. Look at American Christians in 2022. We aren't even willing to get off the couch and get to church in a time where there's no persecution of us and we're entirely free to do it. Even more, most aren't willing to speak out against obvious moral evils because to do so isn't trendy or cool or politically acceptable. And we have the audacity to claim that we would fight and die for the faith. I'll tell you what, though. We may get our chance. And if we don't, 
our children will, or their children, because the time of this freedom and a life free of persecution is coming to an end. And we're moving that way. We're not all the way there yet. I mean, there's there's examples of it, but society-wide, we're not there yet, but it's coming. And the day will come, maybe sooner than you think, where you are going to be forced to choose between comfort and the faith, between being safe and warm and being a good Christian. And you can deny that all you want. You can have this normalcy bias that says nothing's ever going to change. You know, you can think I'm exaggerating or being a fatalist. But the scripture tells us what we will face as Christians. And we are not promised prosperity and comfort and riches and earthly happiness. That is not the deal. That's not what, that's not what you're promised. We are promised persecution from the world for the faith. And in many ways, you might not realize it, but you're already being pushed towards that choice. And in a lot of ways, it's always been and will always be the choice, the light or the dark, God's kingdom or the kingdom of mankind the narrow way to Christ, or the wide gate that leads to destruction. Those are the two choices that you're going to be presented with. There is no middle road to take, and you're not going to be able to stay that middle course and not take one or the other. That doesn't work that way. You're going to have to choose. And I'm telling you right now, like that happens anyway. Uh, you know, at the time of your death, I mean, you're going one way or the other. Um, but I think in in this plane, on this world, in this life, you also have to make that choice. And that choice is going to become and is already becoming more stark, more bold, more real and there's the the middle ground is just falling away and you're going to end up finding yourself on one way on one side or the other side one way or the other and uh i think that all modern christians if you claim the banner of christianity you really need to start thinking about which side you are on because there are only two sides and you cannot serve the world and also guard the deposit of the faith. It It's not going to work that... You're not allowed to do that. The world will not allow you to do that. So, that's the end. I'm not sure how I'm going to end the, you know, the sermon, but uh, that's where it's going to stop. What am I at? How did I do? 23 minutes. That's not bad. That's a little short, even, I would say, for a sermon. But... Uh, I guess that's where we'll stop it tonight. Thanks for dropping in. Thanks for your time. I'll catch you next time on the Capo Podcast.